Good evening and welcome to another episode of the CEO Story. And boy, do we have a corker for you today. We have got Dr. Myron Golden here, who is a business consultant for Guaranteed Growth. He's a best-selling author. He's a public speaker. He's a marketing consultant. And more than likely, he has trained the people that you already look up to, mm. the likes of Russell Brunson, Dan Henry, Dan Locke, you name it, Trey Llewellyn, have all, Dana Derricks, have all went through Myron's training at some point or other. So, Myron, we're very blessed to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Glad to be here, man. Glad to be here for sure. Yeah. For, for those of us, uh, for those people listening that don't quite know you so well, could you just kind of give us a little bit of insight into, uh, into your story? Yeah, um, I'm just, you know, I, I found entrepreneurship relatively early, I guess. Uh, my big transformation, I'm the second of seven brothers, by the way. So I've got one older brother, five younger brothers, and um, we were born to hardworking poor parents who taught us how to work hard, but they didn't know how money worked. And so they couldn't teach it to us. Right. And so um, but I did. They taught us some very valuable lessons. I remember when I was 16 years old, uh, my dad was a plumber and he just like working for other people, he'd come home from work, he'd not be in the best mood all the time, right? And so uh, when he was 16 years old, I remember him coming home one day, and he's like, I'm not working for anybody else ever again. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you got to have a job, right? And um, he started working for himself. And after he started working for himself in a very short period of time, he was making way more money and had more time at home. And I was like, wow, you don't have to have a job. So that was like, that was like a light bulb moment for me that you can actually like live and survive and provide for and a family. How old were you at that job. point? Say again? How old were you at that point? I was 16. Okay. All right. So still very 16 years old. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I remember, I remember how I accidentally stumbled upon entrepreneurship when I was, I think 19 or 20 years old, I came home from college for my first summer and I needed some transportation. So I looked in the paper. I found me this 1969 Buick Skylark or it might've been a 1971 Buick Skylark, right? It didn't have any hubcaps on it. It was really an old raggedy car. I paid $50 for it, went down to the DMV, got the license on it, got some insurance on it, drove it around all summer, but I knew it wasn't good a good enough car to get me back to college. So before I left, I sold it. And like, I didn't do any, have any work done on it. I didn't like do it anything. In the summer. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know how they, you find them, fix them and flip them. I didn't fix it. I just found it, drove it. And then before the summer was over, I sold it, but I sold it for $300. Wow. I bought it for 50. I sold it for 300. I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. And so I stumbled into this idea of selling cars, like buying old raggedy cars. And then because I knew how to work on cars, I'd fix them up a little bit and sell them. Sometimes I wouldn't fix them up and I'd sell them, you know? So I'd, I'd, I basically flipped cars out of my garage. And that's what I did, man, probably for, from the time I was 20 to the time I was probably 27. That's what I did. I flipped cars. And if we sold a car, we ate good. If we didn't sell a car, we didn't eat that good. Right. So. Got it. I like yeah. it. So always hustling from a very young age. Yeah, man. And, um, and um, I got, I, after I got married, my uh, first job was driving a trash truck for $6 and 25 cents an hour. That was like my first real job as a full grown adult with a family. Right. And um interestingly enough, I was making $6 and 25 cents an hour. And that's what I was making in my day job. But at night, I would go out and I would sell insurance and investments. And I'd talk to friends, family, relatives, whoever, 
and I learned how to sell. And I was really, the interesting thing is when I got started in that business, the thing that inspired me was testimonials. And a lot of people don't like testimonials, but I love testimonials, right? Because I saw people for the first time in my life who were in the 80s, were making 10,000 a month, like $15,000 a month in the 1980s. That was like a boatload of money, right? And I was like, wow, you can make $10,000 in a month? Like I wasn't even making $10,000 in a year. Right. So I was like, this is amazing. So I had a vision for what my life could be. And so um, when I started selling insurance and investments, I was really, really terrible. I was terrible at selling. Like I was maybe the worst in the history of the world. And I was so bad that it took me a year and a half to make my first sale. And I remember my first commission check, $125.66. And when I got that check, I knew I'm going to be rich. So what, what was the difference? So you said it took you a year and a half to make that first sale. Yeah. What did, firstly, why so long? Probably because you were, like you said, you're, you're pretty bad, but what okay. made you change, test, tweak, and kind of keep going until you found the magic formula for someone to say yes? So that's, that's really a great question. So what, what happened was as I was making presentations, because I was really bad, but I was willing to do, I was willing to be bad long enough to get good and yet stay in the activity while I was still bad. See, most people, when they get started as an entrepreneur, if they're not good, right? They're not willing to be bad long enough to get good and keep doing the activity that they're bad at. But every time I did a presentation that didn't work, I knew another way it wouldn't work. And I mean, as weird as it sounds, after I made my first sale, it was only a couple of months, I became the top salesperson in our, in our office. And somebody asked me a question similar to what you just asked me. They said, so what changed? How did you go from not being able to make a sale to after you made your first sale, you became the top salesman in your office month after month after month after month? Well, it was easy. I, I, was will, I literally went through all the ways that wouldn't work until I finally found a way that would, and I kept doing that one over and over again. You know, right? that really reminds me of a story uh, um, f- from John Maxwell, Fail Faster. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Fail Forward. Sorry, Fail Forward. That's the one. So I love that. And it's like, just fail quicker. Keep going faster and faster until you get that yes. Exactly. And, and so, so what I did was I eventually got good at getting to yes. And, and, and so it's really fascinating to me, one of the most fascinating things I've ever learned about sales, maybe, maybe this, um, the more I try to get a yes, the harder it is to get a yes. But when I'm not connected to a yes outcome, like when I know that what I have for you is good and like my interest is in you getting the result and not my, my interest is not in me getting your money, sales was easy. That's powerful. That Just kind of, let's just absorb what you said there. So you're not married to an outcome no. and you're not going in there chasing it and wanting it. You're just actually presenting a scenario that's going to better the person themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't come across as if you need it to happen. And and then, yeah, because I don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need exactly. They can sense that. See, here's, what's really interesting. You can lie with your words, but not with your energy. Right. So your words may, act like this is the best thing in the world for you. Oh yeah, this is going to be great for you. But if your energy is saying this is the best thing in the world for me, uh, you're going to believe my energy over my words. And so I got to so make funny. my energy match my words. It's so funny when you come down to communication, 
it's a small percent that's actually verbal, right? And most of it is yeah, like seven percent. Yeah, so that coincides with exactly what you're saying there. Oh man, it's like for me. So it's it's really interesting. I, I and people think, oh, I'm just some you know jolly old grandfatherly dude who's just kind of like, oh, I, you're so nice. Well, yeah, I don't know that I'm nice. Sometimes I am. Uh, I think of myself as being kind, but sometimes see nice some. To me, nice is like, I'm going to pretend to like you even when I don't. Like when I hear the word nice, eh, like if I, if I, like a, I love people, but like if you're a snake, like if you're a snake, I'm not going to call you like a, a butterfly. You're a, you're a snake, right? So that's what I mean when I say I'm not nice. I'm kind. And even if you're a snake, I'll probably be kind to you, but I'm not going to act like you're my best friend, right? Yeah. I'm going to recognize you as a snake. So anyway. So what's fascinating is, like, to me, I tell people, look, here's the deal. If you will love people, trust that they're smart, and only offer them things that will do them good, you can be great at sales. Now, I know that sounds like, oh, come on, man, it can't be that easy. Oh, it's that easy. Like, if you will love people, see, because your energy can't lie. So if I really care about you, you can tell. And if I don't, you can tell, right? So if I love you, and then I trust that you're smart. Which means if I trust that you're smart, that means I'm not going to try to fake you out, number one. And I'm going to trust that if my offer is as good for you as I think it is, you'll recognize it. So now there's no pressure. I've got no pressure on me to get you to say yes. And that's the best scenario in order to perform, right? So now you can just describe your product or your service and come from a place of, hey, this, this is going to be good for you or not good for you, but either way, it doesn't affect our relationship. Relationship, exactly, exactly. Like, tell me yes or tell me no, right? I'm, and I'm okay because I'm on the go, right? It, does, it doesn't matter. Like, it matters to me for you, but it doesn't matter to me for me. Like, you buying, like, if, it, it doesn't matter. Okay, so for instance, for, to give you a, like a, a really specific for instance, I have... I, I sell coaching. I have three coaching packages. I have a $55,000 coaching package. I have a $155,000 coaching package. And I have a million-dollar coaching pa package. And if you buy one of those from me, good for you. And if you buy any one of those from me, my lifestyle does not change at all. It does not, it does not change my lifestyle. And I know that sounds – I don't mean that to sound arrogant. It's just like I am not – I don't need you to buy from me so I can – put food on the table or gas in my car or money in my retirement account. I, like I am so disconnected from that. I, in fact, I don't need for you to buy from me at all, but if this is good for you, woe is me if I don't do everything in my power to persuade you. Now I want you to notice the word I said. I said persuade. I did not say convince. Yeah, because ultimately you're doing a disservice to them if you really believe in the product or service that you're selling, right? Because you know that that's going to better their lives. Their life. Exactly. And exactly. It, and, see, and see, what's really interesting, have you heard this phrase before? So have you heard the phrase, people love to buy, but they hate to be sold? Have you heard that? Yeah. yeah. It's not true. People love to buy, and they love to be sold. But they hate to be convinced. And I'm going to say that again. People love to buy, and they love to be sold. But they hate to be convinced. See, why do I say people love to be sold? Because when you do a good job selling something to somebody, they don't even realize you sold it to them. They think it was their idea. 
yeah, you planted the seed and kind of blossomed. So it's, really, it's, it's I think the key the key point here is let's di- let's differentiate between convincing somebody and persuading somebody. Oh, we're gonna do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, we gonna do that. So here's 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 what's really interesting. The reason people think people love to buy and hate to be sold is because when somebody's really good at selling something, you feel like it was your idea. That's the difference. So what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. You weren't born desiring to buy anything. You have on that Nike hat. You weren't born like Nike. You know what? I love Nike. You weren't born loving Nike. When you were born, you didn't know there was a Nike, right? You weren't born, uh, you weren't born loving an iPhone or an Android. You could care less. The only reason you wanted to buy Nike is because somebody sold you on it. And they sold you on it so well that you thought, man, you know what? I think I'd just like to wear a Nike hat. Somebody sold you on your iPhone or your Android, and you thought it was just your idea. Well, I just picked this phone because I'm smart. Now, yeah, you're smart, but you picked that phone because somebody sold it to you. You weren't born wanting to buy anything. So here's the and difference all, between – Yeah, often at a subconscious level as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's seamless. I call people who are good at selling, when they're good at selling, selling is seamless. It doesn't feel like you sold them. They feel like they just bought it. Now – Here's the difference between convincing and persuading. Convincing is when I attempt to get you to do something I desire you to do for my reasons. Persuasion is when I help you make a decision you already desire to make for your own reasons. So that's why when I'm teaching salespeople how to sell, I say, here's how it works. Never forget this. Your customer provides the content and you provide the context. And the content are the reasons why. The reasons why, the, it's, the, it's the pain that they're in, the problem that they're having, the things they can't do, that's the content. The context is your solution. See, so, too, many, too many people in sales promote their stuff. Too many people in sales promote their stuff. They promote themselves. They promote their service. But what they don't promote is their solution. See, I don't promote myself like I'm Dr. Myron Golden. Nobody cares. I don't promote my stuff. I got this really cool stuff. Nobody cares. I got these really cool services. Nobody cares. You know what they care about? Oh, you got a headache? Oh, I got a solution. This stuff kills headaches. Now they care. See, if I spend all my time, like if I start with my stuff, I might come to you and I might say, KC, I got this great filet mignon. And, and it's like, it's, it's so tender. You could cut it with a spoon and it's succulent and juicy. And it's, it's, it's grass fed beef, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as I get done with my presentation, you say, but I'm a vegetarian, right? Now you don't want to buy. Why? Because I was busy uncovering what was valuable to me about my offer instead of uncovering what's valuable to you about an offer. I have to start with you. You provide the content. I provide the context. That's really important. And I think, you know, a lot of salespeople can, well, everything in life is sales. So a lot of people can, can take that message and apply it to daily life. It's like you listen first, you try to understand the situation and then apply that to your solution if it's a good fit. Absolutely. Got to be ethical about it as well. Absolutely. And so, so, so for me, selling is easy because, I already love the person I'm selling to. I want what's best for them because every thought is a seed. Every word is a seed. Every deed is a seed. And every dollar is a seed that I'm sowing into the garden of my future. I don't want to reap any bad harvest in the future. So I'm going to sow good seeds. 
And sense. so as I'm sowing those good seeds, when I'm selling, I am like, I want your result. I want you to get your result that you're looking for. That's the thing I desire most. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't desire to get make a paycheck. I mean, I do desire to make a paycheck, but I don't desire to make a paycheck from you. I'm going to make a paycheck whether you buy or not, because somebody's going to buy because my solution is good. And so when I'm living in that space, now I can be disconnected from any outcome that I'm going to get until after I get an outcome for you. You know, it reminds me a lot of a, a story that I heard Tony Robbins uh, at uh, one of his events. I think it was Business Mastery or UPW. And he was, he was talking about when he was a broke student and he was selling for Jim Rohn at that time. Mm-hmm. And he was filling Jim Rohn events. And he was like, I, I, I wouldn't leave until the person said yes, because I knew if they went to that seminar, it would change oh, their life the way, the same way it changed my life. And I was mm. like, holy smoke, this guy's intense. And you could just see he was coming from a place of certainty that you need this, whether like regardless of anything else that's going on in life. And if I can make it and if I can attend this and I don't have anything and right. you do, you need to be there. So that definitely resonates with me, that message. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more. So now you have kind of mastered the skill of selling. Um, I'm assuming you moved on from working as the, uh, as the garbage driver, right? So interestingly enough, when I, was dri- <laughs> when I was driving a trash truck, what I would do on my breaks is I was reading sales books. Because I was working, I was learning to build my business at night, right? So I was reading The Greatest Salesman in the World, and I was reading How to Master the Art of Selling Anything. And like one of the the sales manager at my job, the guy who was was in charge of sales, he's like, what are you reading? I said, I'm reading um, The Greatest Salesman in the World. You're reading a book on how to sell, but you're a trash man. No, no, I drive a trash truck. Uh, Like, this this is just what I'm doing to make a living while I'm working on building my fortune. He's like, well, have you ever thought about like, applying for a sales job here. You know, I didn't know there was a sales job here. What do you, how do you, how do you sell trash, right? Well, you don't sell trash, you sell solid waste removal and you sell at the grocery stores and warehouses and really, okay. Well, you think you might like to try, I don't know, I'm open for that. And so I got promoted from a trash truck driver to a salesman because my, because the sales manager saw me reading books on sales. That's fantastic. So again, it's back down to one relationship to desire and wanting to improve and get better. So you didn't want to just think, hey, I've mastered selling because now I've had 9,900 no's and one yes, and now I've got three yeses and 100 yeses, but I really want to master my craft. So a lot of people kind of lose heart at this where you're putting in hours, you're putting in time and dedication to mastering the craft, right? Because I think especially in the world, the fast world that we live in today, this mm-hmm. part of it gets overlooked very quickly. Everyone wants oh, to download the latest course and the fast track on this and that, but not necessarily put in the hard work and the graft to become that top 1% in whichever industry you are. Because right. if you reach that top 1% of whatever industry, you will make enough money to last you a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Really yeah, it's... That. It's, it's quite fascinating how, how powerful. Excuse oh, bless you. Thank you. Um, I like a lot of pepper on my food. I think I had some in my mustache or something. But, um, <laughs> but um, it's, it's fascinating that, that when you really learn how to sell, 
like when you really master the skill of selling. And I wasn't, I, so like I did that when I was selling insurance and investments, it was a multi-level marketing company, right? So I went from that multi-level marketing company to another multi-level marketing company to another multi-level marketing company. And from the time I got started in 1985 as an entrepreneur until the time I had my first six-figure <clears throat> year, right? To me, like a six-figure year now would feel like poverty. Like I would feel like, what in the world? Well, that's one phone call for you now, right? Oh, yeah, that's that may be no phone calls for me, maybe one phone call for my team. Yeah. Right. And so so um, or yeah, or it, it might be four hours of consulting because I get twenty five thousand dollars an hour for consulting. So it might be four hours of coaching, like four hours of consulting. And so so what's fascinating is it took me 14 years from the time I got started as an entrepreneur to I had my first six figure year. But now if I had a six figure year, I'd think, oh my goodness, what the heck, what have I done? Like, right. I mean, if I don't really, if, if, if we don't do at least six figures in a week, I'm wondering what's wrong. Like what in the world? Right. And I, and what's, 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 in, and that's not, oh man, you're so wonderful. You make all this money. It has nothing to do with it. It's just, I've learned some principles that when I work them, they always work. Right. And so I just keep on rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And, and so many people have not like, they have not been willing to be bad at anything long enough to get good at it and then master a skill and then just go keep doing the same thing over and over, even though after a while it becomes second nature to the point where it almost becomes boring. That's where you have a team, right? So now you build a team around you, you teach them those principles. So let's talk a little bit about that in terms of you now have this amazing knowledge, the system mm -hmm. and process that works worked really well for you in multiple industries at this point because you've went from uh, insurance sales to uh, waste solid waste sales how and do you radio then... advertising sales and cars yeah. and yeah and every industry it. along the way so then yeah. how do you scale that from you being this amazing individual that can do that yourself to now teaching a team of people to help do that around you as well so what's really interesting is like most of the like most of the success I had before I started my own consulting business, my own training company, was in the field of multi-level marketing, network marketing. And I just got to the point one day where I said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of working like a crazy person to build an organization only to have the company make one little tweak and my whole organization goes away. I'm not doing that anymore. I said, from now on, if I build a business and some chucklehead messes up my business, I want to be the chucklehead, right? And so I just Take decided, full you know, control I'm, of your own destiny. In other words, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm like, if somebody, if some nut job messes up my business, I want to be the nut job. I don't want to build a business that some other nut job can just make a decision and my income goes to nothing. So I said, what do I know how to do? Well, I know how to do network marketing. I'll teach network marketers how to do network marketing, and that's where I started back in 2003. I started training network marketers. I spoke at a network marketing conference and I offered them my network marketing training program. It was $147. Um, a bunch of people came and bought it. I made $5,900 and I thought, oh my goodness, I have hit the mother load. I did $6,000 in sales in 45 minutes. And I just knew it's over now, forget about it. And at that conference, two other people said, hey, can you come train my organization like you just did here? Sure. And so two weeks later, I was in 
in um, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, did a presentation, did $6,600 in sales. Two weeks later, I was in Baltimore, Maryland, did $8,800 in sales. And there were some more people there that had their teams. Can you come do that for our team? And it just began to snowball. And so I started teaching network marketers about network marketing. Then I started teaching lead generation. And then I wrote a book. And then I started teaching people how to write a book. And then I started teaching people how to do seminars to sell their knowledge. And then next thing you know, this, I've got this whole big old thing, right? And now, I mean, we just recently acquired um, partial ownership in a software company where we have this really, really super cool software that I'm going to build an entire marketing campaign around, which we should be able to build within a couple of years to $100 million in SaaS revenue. Wow, it's amazing. Okay. So and then, that, that journey in itself from step to step is kind of just mind-blowing because you've spoken at some of the biggest conferences like the 10X with Grant oh, Cornwell yeah. and the Funnel Hacking. So you've been on some of the biggest stages. They oh, are, yeah, yeah. And then that's all came from initially because speaking on stage is a different skill set to selling, right? Oh, very different. Yeah. So how did you go about acquiring that skill set? Because that's, okay, I get the sales. You kept failing and failing and failing. But now when you're on stage in front of people, and I've spoken in front of, uh, I think the maximum about 5,000 at once. And that was, oh, holy shit. Okay, I've got to perform right now and I've got to switch it on. But you've done this on huge stages. But how did yeah, you? 30,000 firstly... people, 4,000 yeah. people, 5,000, 8,000, 30,000, whatever. That's yeah, a lot so, Yeah, so... Uh, I had the good fortune. I've been speaking in public for a very long time. So I started speaking in public when I was 17 years old on a Sunday school bus to some like elementary school kids. Speaking to adults is easy by comparison. You got to keep the attention of a bunch of first through sixth graders for 45 minutes on a bus ride. Oh, speaking to adults is easy. Right. And so, so that's where my whole public speaking thing started. And, um, I was good at teaching concepts because I had, I had been a Sunday school teacher. I had been a youth director and a youth pastor. And so I had spoken in churches and all of that stuff from the time I was 17. All, so I had already had talking in front of people was not a problem. Now, when I started, when I first started selling on from stage, though, I had no idea what I was doing. And the very first seminar I did, um, fortunately, the, there was a network marketing company owner who brought me in and paid me $20,000 to teach his people. But, and, and I was allowed to sell stuff, but there was another guy. And this was in Waco, Texas. This was in 2003. This was my very second seminar after I started teaching network marketers. So I made an offer. There were 35 people. It was a very small team, 35 people there. And um, I did $350 in sales, but there was another speaker that lived in Dallas. And a friend of mine got me to invite him to come and speak. He was a network marketing trainer and he spoke to the same 35 people. He did $3,500 in sales. So obviously he knew something I didn't know. So he says to me when we're done, he says, Hey man, um, you're flying out of Dallas, right? I said, yep. He said, well, when you come to Dallas tomorrow, come early and I'll show you some stuff about the seminar business. Okay. So we went out to lunch and he like breaks down selling from the stage like in two hours and I took like 15 pages of notes over lunch and we got done with lunch and he said oh I, don't worry about it man I got lunch I said oh no sir oh no sir you're not going to teach me how to make a million dollars and buy my lunch I'm buying lunch today and and so I paid for lunch and then the very next event that I was at the one where I did the $5,900 in sales he was there 
and he coached me some more before I went and did my presentation. So he took me under his wing and coached me. And then he sold me a coaching program for $7,500. And I bought that. And so I hired a coach to teach me how to sell from the stage. And it, like f- the shortcut to any success that you desire in your life is find somebody who's been there, done that, got two t-shirts, pay them whatever they charge and do everything they say without question. Cause a lot of stuff he told me to do, it was so scary to me. Like, it was like, he was telling me to do just to do like, I'm like, like at, like when you, when I went through the offer, act like I was doing calculations and like, okay, well, wait a minute. I'm, uh, uh, I'm like, no, no, he can't. Do I said, I'm going to do everything he said to do. He makes sales. I don't make sales. I'm going to do what he told me to do. So my first seminar, I did $35, $350. Second seminar, I did $5,900 and it's a wrap now. I'm good. I'm on the it's- way. You know, there's a lot to be said there, and that's a fantastic story. I think it boils down to try and get the best mentors you could possibly get with each individual subset of whatever you're doing. And and a lot of people say the same thing. And it's like, so how do you go around, go about getting mentors? It's so easy in the world that we live in today. It could be as simple as going onto LinkedIn, finding someone in that industry, like you said, that's been there and done that and got a couple of T-shirts and just asking them. Say, hey, would you mind mentoring me for 10 minutes a month or 10 minutes a quarter and then build that relationship? Try and add value yourself. Don't just pay. Try and add value. Be a good student. And there's plenty of people out there that are willing to give back. So it's really interesting. My uh, my daughter, um, we, we she went to dinner with me tonight with, uh, with the uh, clubhouse crew, right? So here in Tampa. And we're on our way. And she said, it's really interesting. She said, Darius, Darius, um, Darius Daniels is a pastor in New Jersey. We live in Tampa, right? So my, this guy, he's, he finally, he's got all these followers, like millions of followers. He finally offers this course called Everyday Seminary, right? My daughter buys it for like, I don't, I think it was 500 bucks. I don't even remember how much it was. She was the first person to buy it. She was like, I've been waiting for him to sell something. I want to know how he learns all this stuff he knows. And I'm buying it from him, right? So she bought his course. She sent him a message. She said, um, she's messaging him on Instagram. She said, I am the first person who bought Everyday Seminar. I mean, Everyday Seminary. Like she found a back door and found the sales page before he even offered it. That's my daughter, right? She's like, I was the first person to buy Everyday Seminary. And I have questions and I have $5,000. How much do you charge for coaching? How much do you charge per hour for coaching? I was like, that's my girl. And he said, and he wrote her back. He said, he said, well, you know, um, I'm not taking on any coaching clients right now, but I'll do a call with you. I'll have my assistant schedule a call with you. Uh, and you don't have to pay me anything because Jesus paid it all. But at least she made the offer. Right. She's like, I've got questions. And I've got five thousand dollars. Now, that's an offer. <laughs> How much do you charge? Right. Yeah. So. So and most people. Most people aren't willing to pay $5, like to find out, like, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Somebody says, well, I want to make a million dollars. Okay. So how much are you willing to pay for a coach? I don't know, 500. You're only willing to invest $500 in yourself to learn how to make a million dollars. What's wrong with that picture? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. So that's the mentality of a, of a lot of people right now. So, and that's not uncommon, right? Everyone like, Going back to what we said earlier, everyone wants the latest shortcut, the trick or the tip to get there, or they think that an overnight millionaire is a real thing. 
none of that is real. It's just all like clickbait things. The people that are, mm-hmm. are putting in time and effort and energy to actually get there, it happens over an extended period of time. And yeah. we know that because we've reached those levels of success. But to a lot of people that are more susceptible to kind of believe in what they see and hear and kind of subconsciously soak all this in, what mm-hmm. are some some things that they could do to actually, if they don't have $5,000 to uh, to get a level of success? Not having the money really doesn't matter. And I know that sounds, oh, come on, Myron. Wait, no, if, you, if your attitude is right, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So, and, and that sounds like, oh, come on, that's positive thinking. No, it's not positive thinking. I'm positive that I'm right, but that's not positive thinking. So think of it like this. Have you ever bought, like before you were making a lot of money, right, KC? Like, I mean, there was a time in your life where you weren't not like a big ball or shot caller, right? Okay. Yeah. So before you were making a lot of money, have you ever bought something you could not afford? Oh, yeah. Right. Everybody listening to me right now who, who like you've spent money on gifts that you couldn't afford, a vacation you couldn't afford, a new outfit, a new pair of shoes you couldn't afford, a car you couldn't afford, or a house you couldn't afford. So somebody not having the money has absolutely nothing to do with them not buying. Yeah, that, that, that's so, true. That's, right. Uh, People don't buy what they can afford. They buy what they want. So the question is not, can you afford it? The question is, do you want the result more than you want the money that you have in your pocket or more than you have, want the money that you could get to buy the thing? See, when you want the result more than you want anything, you'll figure out a way to get the money. So then as a salesperson or someone listening, if someone's saying that they want it, but they don't really want it as badly as they're saying, how do you differentiate that? Because that could be something that would... I don't differentiate it. I just, I, I know that if I am making an offer to somebody and they don't buy, either they don't believe or they don't understand. Those are the only two options. Now, when I say they don't believe, maybe they don't believe them in themselves. Maybe they don't believe in my solution. Maybe they don't believe in me, but there's something they don't believe. Or they just don't understand. Like, they don't understand. Like, if I tell you that my students, whatever the amount they pay me for coaching, my goal is to assist them to make to teach them skills that will cause them to 10x their investment worst case scenario within the next 12 months but real talk now most of them 10x their investment the first time they use what i teach them like in one day i have people buy my $55,000 program and go out and make $875,000 the first time they use the stuff they teach me i bet they learn from me I have people go out and do, like Dan Henry did a million dollars the first day he implemented the stuff I, he learned from me. Dan Locke did $5 million. So now everybody doesn't do $5 million, but like even Annie, Annie Grace, who doesn't even sell a make money offer, she sells like, it's a, it's, I'm not going to go into detail about it because of time, but it's a personal development offer, right? It's an imp- a, a life improvement offer. And the first time she made an offer she was gonna she was doing an event anyway she was gonna lose 50 grand she took my training she went and did her event and instead of losing 50 grand she did two hundred sixty four thousand dollars in sales and I, I have student after student after student after student after student who went out i tell you about dana derricks who did one hundred fifty thousand dollars in sales in a room with 15 people eileen wilder did one hundred eight thousand dollars in sales in a room with 12 people um it, and on and on and on it goes 
uh, Greg Todd did $1.9 million in sales with 440 people in the room. And, and it's all understanding human psychology and how to communicate with people in a way that you help them believe and you help them understand. Do you, do you use a lot of NLP in your uh, communication? Anybody who talks to another human being uses NLP because NLP means neuro-linguistic programming. So you're talking to somebody's nervous system, whether you're intentionally doing it or not. So do I intentionally use NLP? No. But do I use NLP? It's impossible to have a conversation with another human being and not use NLP. Got it. So as we segue towards the end of the show, can you tell us a little bit more about your coaching? What are the highlights? And what do you get at the different levels and how people can get in contact with you? Yeah, so um, I have a, a training where I teach people how to sell from the stage, right? That's $55,000. Um, most of the students will do hundreds of thousands of dollars the first time they do an event. Many of them will do more than 10 times the initial investment, right? Um, my my mid-tier program, which is my King Solomon's Wisdom Inner Circle, where I teach you the business model of King Solomon, which includes selling from the stage, but that's not all. It also includes content creation, continuity programs and high ticket sales. So not just high ticket from the stage, stage sales, but like we have a two day mastermind that we do in Clearwater Beach. We used to do it in Hawaii before the lockdown, but now we do it in Clearwater Beach um, and they have everything in Clearwater Beach they have in Hawaii. Um, so except minus the 13 hour plane ride, right? So, um, so we have, um, uh, or eight hour, whatever it is. I don't remember how many hours it is, but it's a lot. So um, we have a two-day mastermind where I am teaching high-ticket sales. So if you want to learn how to just close high-ticket over the phone or high-ticket over Zoom, I teach you what I know about selling, pre selling premium, premium value selling. That's what I call it, premium value selling, and how to sell premium value. Like a lot of people don't know how to sell premium value because most people who sell are bad at sales because they believe selling is something you do to people instead of something you do for them. And then the last piece is continuity. I show you how to set up continuity so you have more money coming in every day before you get out of bid then you need to sustain your business by setting up continuity programs so those are the three things i teach you in king solomon's business model and then my high ticket highest high ticket program which is a million dollars a year and that's only for people who are making already two to three million dollars a year if you're not making at least two to three million dollars a year this is not a program for you but if you're making two to three million dollars a year and you want to get to 10 million um in high ticket sales then I'm going to help you get that $10 million a year in high ticket sales from the stage. And that might, that might end up only being two to four events, depending on what infrastructure you already have in place in your business. Fantastic. Some really, really high level stuff then. And, you know, there's a reason that you coach the gurus that are on all of the stages that we see right now, they all come through you. So that's, uh, that's fantastic to see. Uh, one of the questions that I like to, to end with is, if you had to apportion your success to three factors um, and those three factors being drive, skill, and luck, how would you spread across those three factors? Um, so I would, I would say it would, I would say it wouldn't be those. Three. <laughs> no, it has to be those three. Be because that's the same question I ask everyone. So you can't right. change the factors. So, so, so luck is zero. Okay. Luck is zero. Um, I'm going to say skill is 30% and drive is 20%. Okay, then. So you're going to make me ask you the question. What are the what? other factors that you're going to throw in there? Oh, it's principles. 
principles. Okay. And here's what I mean. See, principles are God's automation. Principles are laws that give me the ability to know what's going to happen before I take an action. Like if I take my phone and I do this, I don't have to wonder what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. It's a predictable, repeatable, observable outcome. Why? Because there's a principle called gravity. And the principle of called gravity means what goes up must come down. Right? So if the more principles I learn, that's the other 50%. The other principle, the principles that I learn. Now, granted, for some people, it's luck. Because what they do is they stumble upon principles. But I don't stumble upon principles. I look for them. Got it. And so the more I understand principles, then the more I can apply skill. Because what is skill? Skill is an applied is me applying my activity to a principle. Right. And so now, how much drive do I need? Well, I need some drive, but I don't like the the majority of the drive that I've used in my life was drive to learn the skill and drive to master the skill and drive to learn the principles. I like as far as business is concerned, I don't hustle or grind. I ebb and flow. Why do I ebb and flow? Because I work with principles instead of working against it, instead of working against them. A lot of times people find themselves having to hustle and grind because they're working against principles. And if you work against principles, principles work against you. But if you work with principles, principles work for you. So and I didn't like I I didn't want to change like but I there's zero like there now I have one I play golf. I have one hole in one. And I've been playing golf for 27 years. That's luck fantastic right but in business none of the success is luck it's principles and then skill and some drive and the skill is skill mastery it's not just skills it's skill mastery the more i master the skills think about it like this and this is the last thing i'll say think about it like this i understand that the formula for success works just like this are you ready be do have don't be can't do can't do, can't have. My being is my identity. My doing is my activity. And my having is my property. If The more I become in my identity, the more I can do in my activity and the more I can have in my property. And so that's how it actually works. And with that, there's no luck. And the drive is the drive to learn it not the drive to do it. Think about this. How much effort, first of all, before I say that, what does a tree have to do to grow apples? It has to be an apple tree. Yeah. And, and if it is an apple tree, how much effort does it have to put forth to produce an apple? It doesn't produce apples through effort. It produces apples through its being. Its identity produces its activity, which produces its property. Wow. Some really, really high level stuff here, guys. Hope you're all taking notes. This is fantastic. Myron, thank you so much for your time. If Oh, you asked me where people could find me. I yeah. forgot to answer that. Where's the best place for people to be able to reach out to you and connect with you? Yeah, you can go to myrongolden.com. It has linked to all my social media. It has linked to my applications if you want to work with me. It has a link to my Trash Man to the Cash Man book that you can get for free. And all you have to do is pay $9.99 shipping and handling. Um, it has that. So whatever you want to send me a message on Instagram or whatever, you can find me on Myron Golden, M-Y-R-O-N-G-O-L-D-E-N.com.
And we will put the links below just to make that easy for everyone on the podcast mm -hmm. and on YouTube. So thank you so much for your time, Aaron. It's been amazing learning from you and thank just you. extracting a small bit of knowledge that we can take and action steps from that. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate your being patient with me, man. It was fun. Yeah.